Section 19 of The Begum's Fortune by Jules Verne, translated by W. H. G. Kingston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19 A Family Affair. Perhaps in the course of this veracious narrative we have not been sufficiently communicative about the personal history of those who have played such prominent parts in it. We may now, therefore, be allowed to stop in order to give a few details regarding them. It must be acknowledged that the good doctor was not so entirely taken up with the idea of collective humanity as to merge in it the welfare of individuals. He had therefore been struck by the sudden pallor which overspread the countenance of Max as he uttered his last words. He sought to read in the young man's eyes the cause of this sudden emotion. The silence of the older man seemed to question the engineer, as if he expected him to speak, but Max, mastering himself with a strong effort, immediately resumed his composure. His complexion reassumed its natural tint, and his attitude was merely that of a man who expects the continuance of an interesting conversation. Dr. Saracen, slightly provoked at this evidently assumed calmness, approached his young friend, and with a familiar gesture, laid his hand upon his wrist, just as he would on that of a patient whose pulse he wished quietly, unobtrusively, to feel. Max allowed this naturally without apparently noticing the doctor's intentions, and as he did not open his lips. "'My dear Max,' observed the old man. We will put off our conversation about the future destiny of Stostadt to some other time, for although we are vowed to the work of laboring to ameliorate the condition of mankind, it is not forbidden us also to occupy ourselves with the fate of those we love, of those who are nearest to us. Well, I think the time has come to tell you what a young lady— whose name I will mention presently, replied not long ago to her father and mother, when, for the twentieth time that year, they had been asked for her in marriage. The proposals were for the most part such that even the most fastidious could have had no reason for refusing them, and yet this young woman always said no. At this point Max drew his hand away, with a sudden movement from the doctor's grasp, and the latter, as if he was satisfied on the subject of his patient's health, and had not noticed that both his arm and his confidence had been withdrawn, quietly continued his story. "'Well, now,' said the mother to the young lady of whom I speak, "'just tell me the reason of these continued refusals. Education, fortune, position, good looks, all are there.' why this decided no so resolute and prompt to request which you don't even take the trouble to consider a little you are not usually so very peremptory at this the girl determined to speak clearly and frankly and thereupon replied i say no with as much sincerity as i would say yes dear mother if the yes came really from my heart I agree with you that several of the matches you have proposed to me are perfectly unexceptionable, but, besides my belief, 
that most of those addresses were paid more to what is considered the best, that is, the richest match in the town, than to me myself, and that that idea does not incline me to say yes. I will venture to tell you, since you wish it, that none of these proposals is the one I hope for, the one that I still expect, and which, unfortunately, I may have to wait a long time for, if it ever comes at all. What, my dear, said the mother, in surprise, you... She did not end that sentence for want of knowing how to finish it, and in perplexity turned to her husband, with looks which plainly begged for help and advice. However, as he did not intend to interfere in the discussion between the mother and daughter, until a little more light had been thrown on the subject, he put on an obtuse air, and counterfeited so well that the poor girl, blushing with embarrassment and perhaps a little anger, suddenly determined to make a clean breast of it. I said, dear mother, she continued, that the proposal I hoped for might be a very long time in coming, and might possibly never come at all. I add that this delay, although so indefinite, will neither hurt nor astonish me. I have the misfortune to be very rich. He, whose proposal I hope for, is very poor. Therefore he will not make it, and he is right. It is for him to wait." "'Why not for us to speak?' said the mother, wishing perhaps to prevent her daughter from uttering words she feared to hear. Then the husband interposed. "'My dear,' he said affectionately, taking his wife's hands in his, "'it is not with impunity that a mother, reverenced by her daughter as you are, can constantly, in her presence, sing the praises of a fine, handsome fellow, who, ever since she was born, has been almost one of the family, that she remarks to every one on the solidity of his character, that she glories in what her husband says, when he has occasion in his turn to boast of his remarkable intelligence, or speaks feelingly of the thousand proofs of devotion he has received from him.' If the girl who saw this young man, distinguished both by her father and her mother, had not admired him herself, she would have failed in her duty. Oh, father, cried the girl, throwing herself into her mother's arms to hide her confusion, if you guessed, why did you make me speak? Why, returned the father, why, but to have the joy of hearing you, my darling, that I might be still more certain that I was not mistaken, to be able at last to tell you that both your mother and I approve your choice, that your heart has been given where we wished, and to spare a poor and proud man from making a proposal, at which he feels a reluctant delicacy, I will do it myself, yes, I will do it, because I have read his heart as I have read yours. Calm yourself, then. On the first favorable opportunity, I will ask Max if by any possibility he would care to become my son-in-law. Taken unawares by this sudden peroration, Max had started to his feet as if moved by a spring, Otto silently grasped his hand, while Dr. Saracen held out his arms. The young Alsatian was pale as death. But does not happiness sometimes take this appearance when it enters without warning into a strong heart? 
End of section 19